0: Our family didn't have family vacations. We didn't go to the beach in the summertime. You know, we, we we wrestle. You know, I don't think I did anything that no one can do, or else I wouldn't have done it. It's almost like I was more excited for him to win than 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 I than I cared about me winning. You know, that was run- when I really truly understood that you can't get on that podium without being a well-rounded wrestler. Wrestling's just like one big puzzle. There's like a counterattack to every attack that the opponent has and it's just fun trying to like figure everything out. I really love to watch freestyle wrestling. I watch it, you know, almost every day. I'm watching Russians and Iranians. No, I think you had some uh, pretty good questions, pretty in depth. Only fault was that I thought I could pin everybody, you know, so going into the semifinals I didn't really have a game plan. It took me a couple years to really recognize uh, just what I had actually done um, and how really rare that, that is. I was like super, super, super intense. All I cared about was wrestling. For 17 years, it was like, this was what I was training for, you know, and this is potentially my last tournament. It's like, this is it. It's like <laughs> eight mile, like you only get one shot. I felt like you took what was mine. You know, and um, I was trying to take what was his, so just kind of how things go.
1: Welcome to episode 19 of the Sudden History Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Earl Smith. First things first, I've got to thank everyone who checked out last week's show with John Reeder. It was without a doubt the most popular show so far. Keep spreading the word about Sudden History and keep listening. Also, I must apologize, I like to have my shows available on Tuesdays. I started that way, and for whatever reason, it seems like a good day to release new ones. Obviously, I'm two days late this week. However, I had the option of talking to a really good guest, but in doing so, I had to delay the show release. In my opinion, it's well worth the wait. And with that being said, whenever I'm trying to get new guests on the show, I try to make sure I'm not getting guys from the same conferences, or same schools all the time, the same home states, or even regions, or the same time periods. I try to spread it out and get a good cross-section of guests. Well, it occurred to me that I have not had any Iowa Hawkeyes on the show yet. What am I doing? Neglecting the largest and most rabid fan base in college wrestling? Well, it ends now. Take a listen to my talk with Matt McDonough. Welcome to Sudden History. Our guest today was a three-time NCAA finalist and two-time national champion for the University of Iowa. Currently he trains out of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club. Let's welcome Matt McDonough.
0: Hello. How's it going? Uh, great. great. to be on and um, excited to talk with you.
1: Great. Great. We're excited as well. Um, I'm going to start off with a question I ask most of the guys I have in the show Uh, When and why did you begin wrestling? When or what? Uh, When and why?
0: Oh, man. So when was really before I was born. (laughs) And the why is because of my dad. He was a wrestler when he was young. Um, He wrestled for the University of Iowa. And, I mean, I was kind of, I suppose, destined to to wrestle. Um, But... When I really got into it, was in second grade, Um, and the real why was, you know, I really enjoyed the sport. I would say I was a pretty um, high-energy kid, and um, it was just something that I was passionate about, and I guess, you know, through my father um, and my upbringing, it it was a sport that I became passionate about very early in life, and, um, you know, it's, it's stuck with ever since.
1: Okay, another question I ask most of our guests is why they chose their particular college. You know, having – you said what you said about your father and your high school coach, I believe, wrestled at Iowa as well. You know, the better question is, did you consider anyone else but Iowa? Um,
0: (laughs) It's funny you say that, and I know if any coaches are listening, they know. Um, I was actually really very close to – picking another school um, for wrestling, um, I was really close to picking another school for wrestling, and
1: in the end, it,
0: it wasn't necessarily that my dad or my coach or people I knew went to Iowa, it was just, it, was, it's been, it had been my childhood dream forever, um, and, you know, the the variables were right, and most of all, I felt comfortable there. And, you know, that's what I've told a lot of kids who have been recruited by Iowa and who I've talked to. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a proponent for Iowa. I am. But I'm a proponent for guys to go where they're going to be the best wrestlers. And ultimately, it's up to where you're going to, you know, you're going to excel the most. And that's kind of what it came down to, is I felt I would be the best at Iowa. And, you know, it turned out pretty great for me.
1: And kind of building on – the first part of that last answer for those of us that are not from Iowa, you know, talk about the allure of the wrestling program and wrestling for the brands. You know, if you're a talented decorated middle and high school wrestler, high school age wrestler from the state of Iowa.
0: Well, I'll start that off with saying, you know, Iowa doesn't have any pro sports, the entire state, we don't have any professional sports. Um, we have semi-pro, but we don't have any professional sports. So, College sports in Iowa are a pretty amazing thing. I mean, you look at Iowa football, you look at Iowa basketball, you look at Iowa state basketball, you look at um, a lot of different places, and Iowa wrestling is one of those that everyone in the state knows of. And when you're a kid and you are come from a wrestling family or you just fell into the sport of wrestling, you learn pretty quick the history of Iowa wrestling, and that's something that, you know, has an effect. Now, we my freshman year, 2010, was the last time we won a national title, and, you know, you, you hear chatter. You hear people talking about, well, wow, what's going on with Iowa? We finished in the top five in the nation for um, the last, I couldn't even tell you how many years, even after we won, and a couple of times we've been different than that, but you know Iowa wrestling is a tradition. We don't like getting second, third, fourth. We actually hate it. It, it <laughs> makes us bitter and angry. Um, but it's a pretty good thing when your goal is only to win. And when you get second in the country, you're kind of you're kind of fired up about it. And the best part about that is is the country sees Iowa getting second like last year against Ohio we got fifth this year. And they see that and they goes, What's going on in Iowa? You know, what's going on in Iowa? We have we got fifth in the nation. That doesn't happen with every program every single year and our goals are above what, you know, most would consider reasonable. Um so I think that's part of what's great about Iowa and then just the tradition. And there's a lot of people from Iowa who've become good at wrestling, but um it's just getting to r wrestling the black and gold and then so I guess I'll just end with, you know, Carver Hawkeye Arena has a special pretty special place. Um and you know, there's a lot of kids in Iowa and they see that and that is something that you strive for. Not only to wrestle in Carver but to win in Carver and to put on a show. And that's that's a pretty exciting thing when you're from, you know, small town farm country Iowa. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, something that most of us fans and media members may not always comprehend, um, we may see that Iowa or any any college has strong returners or incoming recruits at a particular weight, let's say 25 or 33. And, you know, we may think that a high-level high school kid, a blue-chip recruit, if you will, at 133 isn't going to sign with them because of the talent they already have at the weight class. Is that something you're considering coming out of high school and if not, what's the mindset for you regarding your future and your standing on the team?
0: Well, that's really funny you asked that question, because when I was coming out of high school, I was kind of recruited as a 133, 141 pounder. Um, and mm-hmm. I had one of the Iowa coaches sitting in my kitchen, and I can still remember to this day, and I said, well, you got this guy and that guy and this guy all packed in at these weights, and they're really good guys. Where do you see me fitting into your lineup? And he looked at me, and he stared me in the eye, and he said, it doesn't matter where what weight you are. The best guy is always going to find his way in the lineup, the guy that wants to be there the most. And I think that really, I mean, it still resonates with me. You know, that was – I remember it was West Hand saying that to me, and he's not a coach anymore, but he's still Iowa faithful. and. hmm he said that to me, and I really thought about it, and I went, you know what? He's right. What What am I doing wondering if a school has a spot in their lineup for me? That's not even what I did in high school. I, It didn't matter what weight I went. I was going to be the guy, and I was going to win the state tournament. In college, you know, after my freshman year, I decided to go down to 125. I was going to be the guy, and I was going to win the Nationals, and you know, it just so happened that, that I, I I did that, and you know, it, it surprises you a little bit, but it doesn't surprise you too much because when you taught when you decide that that's what you're gonna do, and I think for some of these recruits, um, what brings them in is you look at the coaches and the people we have in the room, especially the lightweights, but the upper weights as well, any anyway, weight really, and but the coaches that we have in this room and the goals they strive for. It doesn't matter what weight you're at. It doesn't matter if you're a heavyweight, a lightweight, a midweight. The goal is to be a national champion, and we're not going to recruit and then have a guy and just, you know, bank on it. We're always going to keep wanting to get more great talent in the room because greatness breeds greatness, and Mm -hmm. that's what people see, and that's what, you know, really, um, I think, speaks to some of these high school kids. Um, is that we want to
1: breed greatness on all aspects. And so you had touched on a little bit uh, your freshman, your true freshman year. You competed at 133 and had a decent year. And so the team had a void at 125 in 2010, and you dropped down. Um, You said with uh, your long frame, some people thought you'd even be a 141 pounder. Um, Just talk about that decision getting down to 25. You know,
0: come the end of the season, I knew that Daniel Dennis was going to be a, a solid senior that year, and it wasn't that I was afraid to go 133. It was that I saw 125 was open, and I didn't think of anyone else at 125 who I couldn't be who I couldn't be in front of. And I went, you know what? I'm going to drop down to 125. I know I'm not that big at 133 and I can win the Nationals at 125 if I do it right. And about this time is when I kind of decided, this time, my freshman year. And then by the middle of July, I had shrank my body down to, I I think I made 129 or 128 in the middle of our summer, at the very last workout in our summer camps. And I kind of went, you know what? Well, I know I can do it now, so now i just got to do it, and that kind of carried over to the next season, and I continued to pursue that, and there wasn't any question in my mind, and I think, you know, if I have anything to say to the youth wrestlers out there, it's that when you do something, you don't question it, you don't think about it in a a negative sense. Maybe you, you know, you wonder if it's the right decision, but once you decide to do it, you do it 100%, and you do it fully believing that you're going to be the best in the country or the world or the state or whatever your goal is. And that's really what did it for me. And, you know, from August all the way until March when I won the NCAAs, I told myself, you're the toughest 125 pounder in the entire country. And by the end of the season, you know, I I I mean, Nico Magaludis. Uh, he he talked about it this year after he won it. He he said he brainwashed himself into thinking he was the best 125er. And with my freshman year, I was able to do that. And that that really kind of sparked a, a fire in me for, for my career that helped me to know that I can compete with anyone if I really believe I can.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, so that redshirt freshman season was excellent. You went to the Big Ten finals before losing your first match and made the finals against a familiar guy and Andrew Long, also a freshman from Iowa state, um, being that you were the same age, had you squared off with him as a youth wrestler in high school? And, uh, you know, what's the mindset going into a match against a guy you'd already defeated three times that season?
0: You know, he was, he was really tough in high school and he always, um, did well at, at, in, at national level tournaments. And, um, Obviously, we had wrestled a lot that season. We only wrestled one time in high school um, in a uh, rinky dink, I would call it, freestyle tournament. It was actually a dual meet tournament. And he was a different weight class than me, but they wanted to pair us up together to, you know, just to see how the match went. And I beat him in a very, very close match. Um, but, you know, I always knew that he was a very, very good competitor and that. I was going to have to be on my best game if I was ever going to beat him. And it just so happened that we were at the same weight my freshman year. And, you know, it just goes back to it didn't matter whether it was Andrew Long or Angel Escobedo or Nickerson. These are all guys my freshman year. Or whoever it was, it didn't matter who they were. I was going to take them out. And it just so happened that I wrestled Long a lot. And, I came out on the top half of those matches and, you know, those are some of the more memorable matches of my entire career because it was two guys who weren't going to quit. And, you know, I, I was fortunate to come out on the top of those. And, you know, I, I think that, that what I did in the summer and my mindset and my belief throughout the early season really carried me into that, you know, into the season and into the, the nationals from a mindset of, it didn't matter who you were. I was going to find a way to win. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's probably some of the more memorable matches I ever had. But um, we had some close matches. And, you know, I was, like I said, I was fortunate to come out on, on top.
1: In in that match itself, you won on the strength of a second period takedown and some good defense. Uh, talk about your memories from the match itself and your feelings afterwards. Because I remember it was a great environment, the crowd, had uh, even more Iowa fans than normal, I felt like.
0: Well, definitely. It was in Omaha. It was in the Midwest. And, you know, I just want to go on the record and say, and I wish they would bring the Nationals back to Omaha. I thought that was a great venue. Probably my favorite as a competitor. I don't know how the fans took it, but I loved it as a competitor. Um, Omaha was awesome. and I I would love for it to be back there. You know, not just because I want it. I'm sure that plays into it, but... Just thinking back on all my experiences, that was a great place. But um, I think that, you know, yeah, there were a lot of Iowa fans, and it was a a different match than our other matches. Our other matches were just, they were knockdown, drag-out fights that were multiple takedowns the whole match, and there was scorn and worries the whole time. And, you know, you look at a lot of these national matches, and you wonder why... They're not as crazy as they could or should be, and it's a different environment. You're in the finals, and no mistake is going to be made by either guy, I mean, in their mind. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a lot of action, because sometimes things happen, but in the mind of wrestlers, they're not going to make any mistakes. They're in the biggest match of their life up to that point, for the most part, and they are going to wrestle flawless, and I think that's kind of what happened, and you know, I I managed to get a second period takedown and um close the match out in the third period and and win that. You know, and my next uh, national championship match when I, I that I won my junior year, I won four to one and it was similar, you know. It's very controlled, very um very aware and you're not gonna let that guy sneak one in on you, and that's I think how it kinda went down.
1: Mm-hmm. And so you had mentioned these two guys when you're saying it doesn't matter who you're seeing, but uh, did you want to get another crack at Angel Escobedo, the only guy to beat you, and he was an NCAA champion. You had Troy Nickerson also out there who uh, was an NCAA champion the year before. Um, Those guys ended up losing, and you didn't see them?
0: Absolutely. Um, You know, I heard after my freshman year, oh, whoa, McDonough, you know, he had a really good draw in that tournament, and things panned out for him, and Thanks to whoever, you know, the kind of people who were saying those kind of things, because that just motivated me for the next year and the next year after that. Um, absolutely, I wanted to see them in that tournament. They they happened to lose before I was able to, to wrestle them, and Andrew Long made his way through the top side of the bracket, and I made my way through the bottom and we got in the finals. But I mean, I I had to wait six years to have another match against Angel Escovito. and uh, I was fortunate to win that one. And you can imagine that, you know, I don't like to lose to guys and end on a loss to someone. And you don't always get another chance at people in your life. But, um, you know, if you're losing to someone, I don't see any reason why you should be afraid to wrestle them again. You have nothing to lose and that's kind of the way I think of it is, you know what, if I've lost to someone, well, they already they already either think they can beat me or the whole world thinks they can beat me. But I wanna to prove to everyone and myself that I'm better than them and yeah, I mean that's definitely how it was my freshman year. But really, when if you really wanna get serious and down to it, it didn't matter who who had stepped to the line against me. It's more about you than it is about the other guy. So, you know, wrapping that up, it's all about you know being the best you can be and not worrying about who your who, who your opponent
1: is. You've mentioned a couple times uh, that team your freshman year ended up being your only NCAA championship team, at least as a starter. Um, It was a really impressive group, especially the lower weights. At that time, were you able to appreciate just how special that NCAA team title was and the team that you were a part of?
0: I definitely think that I appreciated it and I loved it, but I would not argue that looking back on it makes it even that much more special because, the I mean, we were right there to have five NCAA teams. We were not far away. Dan Dennis was four seconds away from being an NCAA champion. That would have made four. Montel Marion was in the match against Kyle Dake, Kyle and, you know, a, a different match, a different day, a different venue. He may, he wins that match. We have five NCAA champions, um, and, you know, we really had a tough team that year. We, we kicked a lot of butt, and it was a really fun season. And I think looking back on it, I appreciate it even more now than I did that. And, but I, I think then, you know, I, I definitely can remember, and I tried to, uh, try to pass that on to our guys in the room right now, um, just how special it is to be on the NCAA championship team. And even more than that, to go win an NCAA title and your team wins it, there's no better feeling in the world. And, you know, I was able to do that, and I, I'll have that for the rest of my life, and I'm very thankful. But I – you know, now I'm to the point in my life where I want to see some other guys do that. I want to I want to share that with some of my athletes, and that's really exciting to me.
1: And so, as a sophomore, you have another excellent season, winning your first Big Ten title, defeating the only guy to beat you in the regular season, back in the NCAA finals against Anthony Robles. Um, so, how is it going into that match being? The other guy you know for anyone outside of Iowa fans I'm sure he's the sentimental favorite and he ended up getting a lot of publicity uh, defeating you for the NCAA title
0: you know you're on the opposite end of the Cinderella story um, it, it was hard to take then it's hard to take now but you have to live with it and you hear a lot of people say a lot of things and the fact of the matter is you know Anthony Robich is a great wrestler he made weight just like I did Um one leg, two legs, like what does it matter? He was a really good wrestler. He came out there to battle, and he came out on top and I have to give him credit for that um do i do i am I happy he won? I'm happy for him, but do I wish I could have beat him any day of the week if I could go back and wrestle that match again and beat him, I would do it a hundred times out of a hundred and I know that he probably respects that because that's the sport of wrestling, and I respect um you know his, um, you know his mentality as well that he he didn't care who he was stepping across the mat from he was going to beat him and he knew he had the returning NCAA and he didn't care he was going to beat him so you have to respect him for that but that one always sticks in your mind and you know it is what it is but um, I mostly try to enjoy the the memory of it and the experience regardless of how happy or mad I am about it because. It was something that I'll remember for the rest of my life, um, good or bad. And in the end, you know, you're second in the nation. That's not something to hang your hat up on. But you win the national title and then the next year you're second in the nation to a pretty darn tough opponent, you know, that's that's positive motivation for the future.
1: And do you feel like if you would have had a prior match against Anthony – it would have been different for you in the final. Cause I always felt like he was a guy that had to be incredibly difficult to prepare for simulate. But, you know, after getting a match in against him, you may have been able to know what to expect a little better. Cause even in that one match, he jumped out to a big lead, uh, seven points, but then never scored on you again.
0: Absolutely. Um, I believe nine times out of 10, I can win that match. Um, but you know, it is what it is. And, that may not be true, but the the, the real um, thing I took away from that was that whether you have wrestled someone or not, it, it doesn't matter. Sometimes you're only going to get one chance in your life, and that's probably a match I'm only going to get one chance in my life at. And you know, I, I didn't I didn't make it happen. And you know what? If I ever make it to the World Championships or the NCAA or the Olympics. I mean, am I going to have wrestled everyone in that tournament beforehand? Probably not. Am I going to have a chance to wrestle everyone in that tournament the next year? Probably not. So you have to be ready ready to beat someone. If you've never even seen them, you can't pronounce their name, you don't know who they are, you don't even hardly know what country they are from. You have to be prepared to beat them. And, you know, that's that's something that you learn. um, You learn from your failures. You learn from... Prior experience, and you know that's something I'll always take away from that.
1: And so you had talked about how winning your second title against Nico Megalutis, the match was sort of similar to your first. Uh, just talk about how different it felt for you winning the second time uh, compared to your freshman season.
0: It was it was very um, rewarding knowing that you made it back to the point, and, and after having lost, you know I was pretty I was pretty. That, that, that stuck with me pretty hard, and I did not want to feel that again. Um, and then my junior year, uh, I was able to make it back to the finals, and I had another familiar fault, and, you know, before that match, I knew, you know what, you go out there and wrestle how you know how to wrestle, and you're going to win this match. And that happened, and it was extremely rewarding. Um, you know, it puts you in a different category of, of your who, and more than that in your own mind it puts you back where you know you belong and um you know for a lot of guys they win they win a national title and they they miss their second opportunity and for a lot of other guys they win the national title and then they go on to win more and having skipped a year in between you know that that ate at me and so I was extremely motivated my junior year and um it so turned out that I won another one and and that will also stick with me forever and you know, it just it kind of puts an exclamation point on that. You're not just a, a random guy who's had a couple of good tournaments, and you're here to stay.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, now, at this point, you finished your third season wrestling at 25. When you know most were surprised you were there even as a freshman. Uh, did the weight cutting uh, at 125 take a toll on you at that point, you and your body? Um,
0: it was definitely difficult, but if you do it right. Um, pretty amazing what the body can do um and you know up to that point and and even now you know if, if you treat your body right and you take care of yourself and you make it your mission to make a certain weight within reason that's absolutely doable and um you can you can wrestle the best in the world still doing that but Um, it was definitely a lot of work and, you know, I was a disciplined guy and and it paid off.
1: Uh, So your senior season, you had missed a few duels here and there. And from a spectator standpoint, just watching some of the matches in the regular season, you got the impression that you weren't completely healthy and it came out after the season that you weren't. You know, what was the extent of the injury that you were dealing with and when did that happen?
0: Um... You know, I had I had some things going on before season. Um, my shoulder was torn and I had an, an, a neck injury, um, but, you know, I don't look at those as the a crutch or debilitating. There was a factor of things that went in. And, you know, one thing I've learned to do is accept what happened my senior year and the fact of the matter is I lost two matches in a time at the national tournament. I was two separate matches away from being an all American. Yeah. I'm talking about being an all American instead of being a national champ, but, um, you know, there's still something to think about when you get into that top eight in the country. And, you know, I missed that. And there were more than one factor that went in and that's something I'm going to have to live with and I'm going to have to accept. And it is what it is. Um, but that doesn't change what happened the three years before that, and um, it doesn't change where my life is now. So, you know, it, it was a tough season. There were a lot of things going on, more than just an injury, um, with my weight control, with uh, my mentality and, and different things. Um, and and it, it takes you a while to realize how that is and to get back to the person that you truly are um, when you've held such a high standard for yourself. You know, you kind of beat yourself up for – Not finishing where you want to finish your career, but, you know, whether I'm done competing or not, that doesn't define your career. And the best part about it is through those experiences, you learn how to mentor guys um, that, you know, you're helping coach and helping bring along.
1: And so now that you've moved into the freestyle circuit, talk about the life of a freestyle wrestler, the training, the preparation, and the lifestyle, and just how it differs from competing at the collegiate level. You know, it's it's
0: not the same kind of grind. Um, You're not making weight every week, but weight control is still very important, and you you have to get, you know, even better with your techniques. You have to get 10 times better than you were in college if you really want to be an Olympic champion. Um, And that's a challenge in and of itself. And, you know, I've had several years to do that. Um, This year I had some injuries, and, you know, I was mostly recuperating and working with our guys. Um, But it's... uh, it's a fun experience. It's a fun experience, and the idea of of training to be the best in the world is extremely motivating. And um you know, it's a it's a uphill battle every single day. No matter how good you are, I'm, I mean, you could probably talk to cousin. He talks about how it's still um, a lot of work every single day, and there is no point where you can just sit and ride out your um your abilities you have to improve on a constant basis and even more so than you did in college and that to me is extremely exciting and you know it, it um it's it's fun to think about so you know I, whether i compete again or not it, it's uh it's, it's something that will always stick with me
1: mm-hmm. and so i feel like i have to ask with the drama surrounding the olympic trials at 57 kilos two-year Iowa and Hawkeye Wrestling Club teammates Dan Dennis and Tony Ramos met with a spot in Rio on the line. Um, It ends with Ramos leaving Iowa after Dennis won. I guess my question is two part one, what did you make of the situation since you're a guy that's trained with both of them? And then what are your feelings about training with your possible competitors since I'm sure that you know you could be wrestling one of them in a high profile match like that? Um,
0: you know, I don't want to comment much on it because you know the situation to me is it's avoidable, um, but it's also when you have one guy who who essentially um, fulfills part of part of his dream, his life, and another guy whose dreams are shattered. Someone's always going to be hurt, and that's sports in general. There's always going to be a guy who you don't see and. It's really interesting to think about it from the opposite side because you watch all these sports movies and you see the team that wins and the, it's like the Cinderella story. Uh, it's similar to my sophomore year. There's a Cinderella story. But on the Cinderella story, there's always an opposite end. Um, now, commenting on you know some of the things that Reynolds talked about, and I don't want to comment on those. I don't think that that was an issue. I think that more of the issue was one, one guy – fulfilled his dreams, and another guy was crushed, and, and that's hard to take. Um, for me, you know, I wrestled with to uh, Ramos for two years, and he made it in, um a world team both years, and for me, yeah, that's hard to take. Um, it really, you know, it, it didn't hurt me that he made the team. It hurt me that I fell short of my goal, and I didn't give myself the chance to do that. Um, but training next to your opponent, there's times where things can be different. Um, But in the end, wrestling is an individual sport. And, you know, if you ask me right now to wrestle a a college teammate, um, and if I win, I get to be the Olympian, of course, I'm going to take that opportunity. And I think that's what it comes down to is it's an individual sport. It doesn't matter whether it's your own brother or you'll, or someone you've never wrestled, a bitter rival, either way, You want to win, and winning or losing is on you. Um, And I know Ray Mals knows that, and he said that in the interviews. And you know, I think that's just you know one of the main parts of it is that when they are losing, is on you. And yes, there's a lot that goes into training next to people that you're going to compete against, but it's not completely avoidable. And no matter who is around you, you have to be ready to win. Um, You know whether your coach is also one of your opponent's coaches, you got to be ready to win. I mean, it's similar to making the, the lineup in Iowa. It's very mm-hmm. similar. You've you still got to be ready to win, and I think that's what it comes down to. Um, but I, I love Ramos. I love Dan Dennis. And, you know, we had great memories together, all of us. I know I had a lot of time, memories with Ramos, training, competing, we were teammates for three of, four of my four years, well, four of my five years in Iowa, and I was teammates with Dan Dennis for two years out of my five years, and I know them both really well, and I'm happy for Dennis, and you know, I, I feel for Ramos, and I wish him the best, and I wish Dennis the best uh compete in the Olympics this summer.
1: Okay, after that one, I'll get a little more light as we wind down. Um, I'm a sucker for the Brands Brothers. I love hearing a good story about either one of them. Do you have one that you could share about them and you? Maybe something demonstrating their intensity or personality, or you know whatever you have.
0: Oh man, I mean there's a million little stories, but one thing that always stuck in my brain um, was my freshman year um, lifts, um, workouts every every single morning. Terry Brands would tell me, you are the toughest, mother blanking 125-pounder in the country every morning, in and in kind of the beginning of the season, I'm like, "Yeah, you know what, Terry, yeah, all right, all right, yeah, all right, yeah, I'm working hard, but we'll see, mm-hmm. and the longer things happen, not even up until the point where I was starting like, undefeated for a while, but just up until the season, I'm like, all right, and by the season, you know, I was starting to you know what he, he, I'm, I am and it, it just kept growing and growing and um by the end there it was you know I'm like you know what I'm gonna freaking win these nationals I am the toughest and I'm the baddest 125 pounder in the country and I'm gonna win it all and that was one one instance of my career that I will never forget um along with a lot of others you know me and Tom have a very close relationship and we've had ups and downs and um, he's always been there for me along the way, no matter what more than just a coach as a a mentor and someone who's tried to, you know, kind of help guide me, but also give me tough love when I need it and, and kind of let me learn a little bit too on my own. Um, So, you know, I love the Brands brothers and they've done more for me than I could ever have asked. Um, and no matter what, they're always going to, I'm always going to have a close relationship.
1: Okay. Uh, looking at your career, if I wanted to show someone one match that just personifies you could be high school, college freestyle. What is it? Your favorite match? I mean, I said
0: it before, probably any match with Andrew Long is a pretty darn good match to watch when, it, when you're thinking about action and scrapping. And I like to point that, I, you know, I never really thought about it at this point, but I think I like to, one of the reasons that I always come to that is because he was an Iowa boy too. And you want to look at how Iowa guys wrestle Iowa guys. I know he's, he's an Iowa State guy, but he's from Iowa and he, he I mean, he does not back down and that guy he's a freaking tough wrestler we had some knockdown, down drag out fights and those were great battles and you know those were some of my my favorite matches um through my career and i think those are some pretty good matches to watch and then i mean you know there's a lot of matches i had where i ran off the mat with a major decision or a decision against a good guy and I was pretty ticked off about it because I wanted to score more and those are those are fun matches in my mind too a lot of matches in Carver Hawkeye Arena where you know even though I didn't get the pin or the tech and sometimes I didn't get the major I was I mean I was chomping at the bit to have scored more points more matches and that's that's something that you you strive to do as an athlete you know, there is no ceiling. The only ceiling is going out there and pinning every guy you wrestle in the first minute of the first period. <laughs> and <if> you <laughs> do that, you're you're chomping at the bit to get another chance to do that. So um, those those long matches, but also a lot of matches in Carver and um, you know, getting to go out there and score, put up crazy points on the scoreboard, were pretty awesome.
1: Okay, the last question I have for you is, how would you like for people to remember you and your career as a wrestler?
0: You know, I would say just always looking to improve um, and just constant, just, just. A, I mean, people talk about it. It's like going out there and watching Energizer Bunny wrestle. You know, I, I wanted to go out there and just go after it for... Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty 10, 20 minutes, whatever it was necessary, just go after it and just score points, score points. And I guess when you say that and me talking, the, the thing that always comes to mind is, is I was always thinking about scoring the next point. And if you watch my matches, um, I think that's the one thing that personified me as a wrestler is I, I was always trying to score the next point. Whether I was ahead by 10 or down by 10, I was always trying to score the next point. And that's something that helps carry me through my career. I'm um, in a positive way of, you know, being a, being an accomplished wrestler.
1: All right. That's all I have. Is there anything else that you would like for people to know about you, your career, anything?
0: Um, I'm, I'm great. I just, uh, you know, it's been a great ride and, um, I've enjoyed every minute of it, and this, the last thing I would end with is, you know, win lose or draw, you got to love the sport of wrestling for the mentality and the the, the mindset that it creates. And um, you know, I I love this sport, and I, I want to be in it for the rest of my life. Um, and no matter what, you're gonna take away the benefits from it. And I just encourage you know, lots of the guys to pursue wrestling, you know, beyond just middle school or high school, wrestling college. Um be a sport in college and and, you know, embrace some of those things that are there the most the most difficult and the most trying of the sport of wrestling because when you truly love those that adversity you kinda of gain a different sense um of everything in life and, you know, um I guess what I just end with is I got to thank, you know, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for everything he's done for me. Um, I I have a strong faith, and um, and that's helped carry me through my highs and my lows with wrestling. And and for any sport, um, you know, believe in there's someone out there looking out for you and that wants your best interest, win, lose, or draw. And that's something that's helped me, you know, get through everything in life. Um, and get to the point where I'm at, which is a pretty pretty awesome point in life.
1: All right. A big thanks to Matt McDonough for joining us on Sudden History. Thank you. Once again, I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with Matt, and I thank him for being a part of the show. Before I sign off, make sure to keep up to date with all of the shows on the Matt Talk Podcast Network. If you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me on Twitter, at D1CW, and at Sudden History for the show. I'm going to leave you with this. I feel like we've had a really solid run of guests lately. Next week's guest is a big one, and frankly, it's going to be Sudden History like you've never heard it before. I'm throwing you guys a big-time curveball. How's that for a teaser? Until then, Greg Jones, help me out. How the hell do I get
0: off the stage?